Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the dry bulk panel of this Capital Link Forum here at Posidonia. We've got a great, great panel lined up, uh, but only a short amount of time to talk through the, the range of issues. No. Okay, well, just give us one. Um, so there's a lot to talk about. But I was, I was lucky enough to be up here two years ago as well for the, um, for the dry bulk panel here at Capital Link. And at that time, the, the Cape size 5 TCs was sitting at just over $6,500 a day, having risen from just over $1,000 earlier in the year. And so it was clear two years ago at Posidonia that the dry bulk recovery had, had perhaps started, but what was unclear at the time was what sort of recovery we would see. Now, move forward two years to today, and there's a lot more confidence in the market. You know, expectations are risen, and in the near term, the outlook is fairly positive. But there's obviously a whole range of regulations due to come up into the freight market over the next couple of years, covering bunker sulfur, ballast water, and carbon, and beyond that. So there's a whole range of issues for our panel to discuss. And since it's early, we'll probably start our panel with a, a nice, easy question, and we'll get their views on how they think the market's progressed since Posidonia two years, and what do they see as the outlook and, and where we are in, in, the, in the market. So perhaps we'll start with uh, you, John. So how do you see the market progressing over the next 12 to 18 months? Um, okay. Good morning. So... The, the markets. I mean, um, 2018 obviously is a, is a, we've seen it's a, after a long time that we have a balanced a balanced book compared to to deliveries versus uh, demand. I mean, it's uh, the market is obviously getting tighter, and we expect a better utilization of the fleet to to lead on to to uh, third third and fourth quarter. Uh, the uh, the fleet growth has been about three percent this year versus a 3.3 to 3.5% uh, of uh, increase in, uh, in demand growth, in trade growth of, of uh, dry bulk cargos. Of course, Cape size has, uh, has shown extreme volatility, as we've seen, especially in the recent month. And uh, we've seen the, the indices, especially, as I said, in the last month or two, have uh, basically been driven by the Cape. So you've had all the, all the, all the, the markets being stable, whereas the Cape size is uh, volatile, sometimes increasing a lot, 10-15% and other times correcting. Uh, the Atlantic uh, recently has been quite subdued uh, due to some hiccups. We've seen, we all he hear about tariffs on, uh, on, on, uh, on soybeans, uh, now again on alumina and, and uh, some steel in the, uh, that affect the Atlantic market. Of course, sanctions uh, that were Against, uh, by, the, by the U.S. against Russia have also affected the market in the short term. But generally, my, my view is that uh, the order book currently is standing at around 10% of the fleet. Uh, even less looks, looks even better for the smaller to medium-sized se segment, standing at about 6.7%. And the fact that we have a general very good GDP growth continuing the next couple of years, um, I think the outlook is pretty good. Uh, I think the the cycle will peak at around 2019 and then moving sideways after 2020 where we have more vessels being delivered at about 45 million uh, tons of dead weight, whereas 2019 is around uh, 38 million, which is uh, looking a little bit, you know, it's, it's starting to increase a little bit with all the tier two 
uh, vessels coming in the market. So overall, fairly quite positive, fairly positive, but I think prices do not have a huge upside to go still, and I think the band, the trading band, will be uh, relatively limited. So we're going to see. Gonna, I don't expect we're going to see a huge uh, increase in uh, in uh, charter rates. Of course, not talking about Cape size. I mean, you know, we are more a Supramax, uh, Panamax player, Camsamax, and uh, I think the trading band will be limited. Cape has, a, I think, has a different dynamic on its own. Thank you. So perhaps if we get a, a Cape size view from uh, Stamatis, do you see a, a peak in 2019 as well, or do you see a cycle extending beyond that? Well, we are uh, <clears throat> generally very optimistic about uh, the Cape size sector, and uh, uh, I'm sure that my um, fellow speakers will agree to that. Um, we stand into this uh, historical uh, combination of uh, demand and supply fundamentals. We don't really see any slowdown as far as the Chinese demand is concerned. And we also stand in this historical uh, moment in time that the Cape size order book stands at the, you know, close to the all times low. So on that respect, um, you know, I don't really see any reason why the market is not going to soar uh, in the next, um, you know, few years. Uh, obviously, that was uh, kind of scheduled to start happening uh, already, but due to um, weather-related uh, uh, incidents uh, starting from Brazil, we didn't see that happening. Uh, we're very bullish and optimistic. We think that uh, this is going to turn very positive, um, you know, starting in the second half of 18 and onwards. And we can discuss more about fundamentals of uh, supply of ships and uh, other factors affecting, um, you know, the ton mile demand uh, later in this panel. Brilliant. So um, maybe for you, Philippe, if, if we expect the market to, to continue to cycle upwards over the next couple of years, how are, you, how, is, how are you addressing that? Are you, are you changing your operating strategy? Are you, are you changing the way you run your business to to take advantage of that cycle. Do this. Um, you want to stay spot right now. You, we, you have a fantastic outlook. You've got coal demand um, from India and a lot of Southeast Asian countries. You've got increasing steel demand from the same people. With that, you have lengthening trade routes and you have a manageable fleet supply, right? So all your stars are aligning. You want to keep your ships very close and every single cargo you fix, you should be grabbing every cent out of it because this is the time. The next 18 months, you can't put any more ships than we can see in the market and cargo demand looks very strong. So, um, would anyone else on the, on the panel like to comment on that? Philippe, perhaps? Would you like to comment on that? I don't have anything to add to, to what has been uh, said in our group. We are reasonably optimistic for at least the two years to come. So, there seems to be a, a consensus about that, and consensus is. Uh, Sometimes they're rather dangerous, but let's hope this time <laughs> they will prove efficient. Um, no, we've been coming out uh, of a, a crisis which I don't think, I think by, by far I'm the oldest on the panel. Uh, even though my company is 170 years old, we've been uh, through very difficult crisis over the last 170 years, especially the last six, seven years. I took 
don't think ever we had such a crisis, and I now that we are recovering thanks to uh, reasonable uh, uh, practices of ship owners who have been scrapping some ships and uh, not ordering too much after this awful speculation years. Uh, let's hope that we will not see that again happening. Not too much speculation, not too much uh, financiers getting into uh, this market that they do regularly do and definitely did a lot over the last uh, uh, years, uh, which increased obviously the uh, oversupply. So we are reasonably optimistic and we've bought a lot of ships in the last 18 months uh, to yards directly and uh, we, we, we are quite uh, happy with that and feel confident. Can I add one thing about the, the financial money coming in? I agree. Last time it came in, it went into new capacity. This time when it comes in, it's our job not to direct it to new capacity. New capital can be good for the market if it's guided in the right way. And if someone wants to make a bet on dry bulk, there's enough existing ships out there for them to buy. So perhaps on that point, Spiros, what's... Absolutely. What, what, what's your, point, your approach, Spiros? How, how are you approaching the, the market and, and your strategy to deal with, with the cycle? I also agree with the gentleman before. It seems that the, the fundamentals are there for a much better dry bulk market. But unfortunately, past experience has shown us that the shipping world is the less disciplined world. And uh, the moment that uh, they see that things are, look very good, they all go out, speculatively or not, and they put orders. So this is the biggest risk going forward. I think and I hope that John Michael is right, that people will not put orders this time, that there's plenty of uh, second-hand uh, out there. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and that... Uh, at the end, we'll, uh, we'll enjoy the good uh, years that uh, all panelists have said before. Uh, probably it's not going to last as long as uh, we hope, but uh, uh, let it work. Okay. And, and, and just may, to follow up so, on that. So, sorry, James. If I may touch upon uh, Spiro's last uh, point. Um, I generally agree that people get greedy and uh, there's not so much discipline, uh, uh, especially on the dry bulk side. However, what we have seen so far is that uh, on the Cape side segment, there's been quite a very strong uh, discipline. Uh, from now until 2021, there are very, very few orders. Uh, you know, the order book is literally one of the smallest in history. And um, there is no availability of new building slots. So even if someone wanted to place an order for a Cape size today, uh, from now until the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, there's no more than 20 or 25 slots available. That is a market that used to deliver about 100 ships a year consistently. And right now, from now until 2021, you have altogether 20, 25 ships. That's it. So have that in mind, because even if you wanted to do that, you can't. So You're right, Samadhi, because uh, looking at the statistics, five years ago, or three years ago actually, December 2015, the order book for the dry bulk was over 20%. And now it's the first time that we see the order book being below 10%. Exactly right. Good news. Okay. So perhaps um, if, if the cape size looks quite tight, does anyone have a view on, on some of the other sectors or is there a, a view on the being benefit of being diversified across sectors rather than a pure cape play? Perhaps Philip? Now, we've been in Cape Shards business for a long time, and uh, now we believe that it's time to 
slowly, reasonably get out. I don't believe Cape Size is any more a business for, let's put it that way, medium size uh, or family or independent companies. More and more we will be getting squeezed between the big deciders, the big uh, storytellers, would they be miners, would they be important, would they be steelworks. So we are, we still own five or seven uh, Cape size, but uh, slowly we'll be getting out of that market and uh, uh, concentrating on smaller sizes. I believe Cape size has been a very dangerous, it's getting more and more dangerous. You can lose a lot of money and you do, will not make a lot of money unless you speculate a lot, but this is not uh, how you keep in business for a long time. Respectfully, I would disagree <laughs> with Mr. <laughs> Louis Dreyfus. <laughs> um, I think Cape Size. That's is why we charter ships. That's right. <laughs> we were, we own ships, but I, I, I agree. Cape Sizes are a very risky play, and the way you protect yourself with a Cape Size is with your balance sheet. You've got to have an ironclad balance sheet and very low leverage because the swings are super volatile, super vicious, whatever you want to call them, but they can work very well in your favor, they can work against you, but you've got to be able to get there when they work very well in your favor. And the only way you do that is keeping your costs down. The best way to keep your costs down is low leverage. And being the largest uh, dry bulk company in the public markets, we cannot afford not to be present both in the Capes market as well as in the Cancer Max, Ultramax, Supermax markets. I think the one gives you uh, bigger potential, but more vol volatile. Uh, we, we depend a lot on China, on the Capes, but also uh, we like the Capes very much. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Cancer Maxes, uh, Supermaxes are less volatile. They give you a stable uh, revenue, but uh, on the other hand, uh, um, there the returns cannot be as big or the losses cannot be as big as what we experienced on the Cape side, Mark. So, John, do you uh, believe the same, that you use the smaller ships as a, as a hedge against the volatility of the Cape sizes? Yeah, I mean, um, we're more involved in the modern large handies and supers and ultras. Uh, I mean, we, we've seen in the 2016-15, I mean, uh, Supramax were actually outperforming even on absolute terms, uh, other asset classes, but I mean definitely, I mean volatility is less, hence uh, downside and upside potential is less. Um, I mean having said that, it's interesting that, I mean compared to, I have, I have a couple of notes, I remember the, uh, the, 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 supra, the, the Supramax prices since the lowest of 16, I mean take the resale for example, has gone up 44%, the five year ship has gone up 50%, and then 10-year-old ship has gone up 142% compared again to 2016, let's say February, March. Uh, similar for Handy, of course, Handy has been less, more, more defensive play. Where you've had the maximum on a 10-year-old ship, uh, you have gained 82% by buying an, a Handy back then. I imagine, uh, I imagine uh, for a Cape size or a Camsa Max, I mean, the numbers must be even more impressive. I mean, because I, of the volatility. Yeah, I think uh, our, my theory is in, in a super cyclical business like shipping, you don't really want to be defensive. You want to be aggressive. You want to be in the ship type that makes the most money when the tide turns, right? In bad times, it's bad, right? You're not going to be 
being less bad doesn't really help you. But in good times, you want to get the most money you possibly can. And for me, that's the cape sizes. Those are the ships. We've already seen it this year. They've gone from 8,000 to 20,000. And it looks like they might go back to 20,000. So you can really make a lot of money very quickly. And by definition, that's what you're supposed to do in a super cyclical business. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's true, and uh, and of course the, the uh, you know the opinion that you need, of course, a sizable fleet on capes, you know, to, to, to make a good play. That's also, also very, very, very also very, very true. Very for a fair yep. point, but generally for me, I like to have uh, uh, you know versatility in terms of cargoes. You know, I prefer to play in various, uh, you know, of course, coal, iron ore, but then also other minor bulk cargoes tend to be also quite stable. I mean, I understand that if you want to go for the big bucks, you have to, you have to, to be good at Cape. Yeah. So I accept that. I, I'm not against personally in my company to make a lot of money immediately, but uh, much more favor making less money a long time and not losing too much than making a lot and losing a lot also. <laughs> Which prove, when you have a, char a, a Cape site charted out to a very large, I wouldn't give any names, uh, current company or Indian company, and they go just uh, Title 11 and don't pay you for the rest of their 12 years to come via charter. It, it's a really big uh, disappointment. That's why it's nice to fix to you for the time being. <laughs> um, Thank you. If, if, if we look slightly further ahead, when we get to 2020, we've obviously got all these uh, new regulations coming in on bunker sulfur. How do you see that affecting the market? Let's perhaps start again with the stamatists on the cape sizes. Well, I think that uh, 2020 and the enforcement of uh, Annex 6 is going to be one of the best things happened in shipping for the last uh, 20 years. And I'll tell you why. Uh, on our ships, uh, on the cape sizes, at um, let's say 10 knots, we consume about 30 tons a day. At 12 and a half, we consume 47.5. Once the spread and the gap between the MGO and HFO, as it is expected, widens, the natural reaction of all the ship owners is to slow down. If the fleet slows down by 20%, which in my opinion is the most probable scenario, that means that about 300 to 400 capes will have exited the market. This has never happened historically, at least for the last 15 years. If that happens, we're talking about a market that's going to exceed $50,000 a day. So I'm very optimistic about 2020. We don't see the scrubber market picking up as you know many people wanted to believe. Uh, certainly, I don't really see more than 5% of the global uh, Cape size fleet to have uh, the scrubbers retrofitted. So the only choice at that time is to burn MGO. So if you burn the MGO at this kind of levels, you will need to slow down, unless of course the market goes crazy, which you know in any case is good for us. But certainly, you know, 20% slower speed means 400 ships out of service. And that's one of the best things happening in shipping for a long, long time. May, may I, uh, uh, sorry, again, but I agree totally with that. Uh, I've been very much in favor when I was president of BIMCO of reducing speed for all shipping globally, internationally, for all ships, depending uh, on what type of ships. But it's a... Uh, by the way, quite good for the market, as you just said, but it's also quite good for the environment. It's amazing how much fuel you save uh, just for Cape size going down from uh, 12 and a half to 11 uh, knots. And 
no one needs to get your iron ore one day earlier or later. So really the big effort we can all do, we should bond us to accept the idea of reducing speed, good for, good for environment and good for market. 100%. One hundred percent. So uh, yes, slow okay. your ships down, everyone. Seems to be. Let's do it. Down. Yep. Um, slow down. However, may I say something? When everybody agrees, there is always a, a catch there. I think that uh, at least what, that's what we're doing. We're examining also the possibility of installing scrubbers on our vessels. Uh, for the time being, we're doing it for two Newcastle Maxes. We want to see the results from that. Uh, I know it's a painful exercise. It's, uh, it's an exercise that will cost money, but uh, we will examine that and we'll see what the results are going to be. And if the results are positive, I wouldn't exclude that we install scrubbers on all our big vessels. Um, John, perhaps on the um, Supras and Handys, where the dynamics are slightly different from the, the Cates and the fuel consumption is lower, how are you approaching the, the 2020 low sulfur issues? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, don't see, I don't see us uh, going there, for, especially for, for these uh, modern handies or modern ultras. I mean, the, the consumptions are pretty, pretty low and, of course, you have less time uh, at sea. So, obviously, the, the, the payback is, is, is quicker. I think the scrubber is a two, three-year play where the, the delta uh, versus the, the, the two kinds of fuels are going to be the highest. So I don't, I don't, see, it, I don't see it happening there. Uh, also, let's not forget the, uh, you know, if you work a lot in uh, SECA areas, you probably need to install a hybrid scrubber, which is a much more complicated situation, much more expensive operationally uh, problem. You know, you need urea, you need uh, then to dispose of your uh, sulfur. Uh, that's that's uh, collected in, the, in, your, in your tanks. So it's a much more complicated uh, uh, solution. So we don't see it for, for the mod, especially for modern eco vessels, for, for handies and, and ultras. I think it's for larger vessels, uh, maybe comes from markets or for sure capes or, uh, but maybe even their opinions differ, I think. Yeah. Uh, John Michael, do you have any views? Um, no, it's, we're going to do what 95% of the fleet is going to do uh, and not install scrubbers, not for the time being, and uh, install ballast water treatment. This is the, in 2020, what everyone forgets is it's the first time in my career we've seen a new regulation come in that, by definition, we all comply with. And does the panel agree that compliance will be high, or do you think there'll be pockets of resistance in areas where there's a level of non-compliance. If I knew that, my helicopter would be waiting for me on the roof. Um, <laughs> it's difficult to tell, right, what's going to happen with fuel price for me. And also don't forget that if you have a long view about the spread between the MGO and the HFO, instead of you know, going out and putting scrubbers on all the ships, you can always buy a swap. You know, there are so many available financial instruments. So if everybody's convinced that the spread between the MGO and the HFO is going to go to $1,000 or whatever, you just go out and buy a swap. There's no need for a few thousand tons. There's no need to spend $3 million on installing a scrubber. You know, you can always buy an instrument. So, you know, if everybody's so convinced, why don't you buy the swap? And, and like we said before, we can slow down. Yeah. Yes. I'm really happy to see that there's a big consensus again on the idea of reducing speed because I've tried to promote that idea for years 
and with not much success, really. Uh, and uh, I'm very happy to see people agreeing. Now we have to do it because it's good for the market and good for the environment. If we had not been dragging, we should bonus, dragging our feet on, on environment issues so long in the last five, six years, we wouldn't have these regulations imposed on us, which are not very satisfactory. So at least we can work something out ourselves, reducing speed, which is a good, good approach to all these important issues and good for the market. Which is not, uh, Absolutely. It makes sense financially, operationally, and environmentally. The other major piece of legislation that, that's coming in, of course, is the ballast water treatment. Spiros, perhaps, do you have any thoughts? Is, is this going to be an impediment to any form of trade, or is it something that the, the shipping fleet will just absorb and, and get over and move onwards? Well, all these regulations, the end result of those is that it increases the cost of doing business for us. And of course, we'll conform to all these regulations and we'll put ballast water treatment systems. We have already done it and we'll do it going forward. And then that's it. I think the whole industry will do that. But as we were saying before, it's reducing speed is the most environmental friendly thing to do. And I think yeah. it's so strange that for so many years, governments, uh, organize, IMO organizations do not focus on that because this is the only sure way to reduce pollution. 100%. It's an easy fix. And here's the other thing that bothers me about all the IMO and all the talks about the ballast water treatment. We lost 26 people this year because of structural problems on a ship. And I still haven't heard any concentration about that. And another one of these. Uh, things just went out, just uh, the lights went out on it. So maybe we should concentrate on the safety of the ships at sea before we worry about ballast water treatment, which will take care of itself. Thank you. Thank you, John Marquette. That's an excellent point. On the, um, looking at threats to the market, uh, in the discussions I have, particularly on the Cape size sector, one of the biggest issue, issues that's raised is the impact of the Valet Max vessels and the, the dedicated fleet of iron ore carriers. At the moment, there's around 88 of these, these vessels on the water. By the end of 2021, we expect there to be nearly 160. What impact on the market, and I guess specifically the Cape size market, do we expect these ships to have? Well, what's not, going to happen to those capes that are displaced? It's not going to be positive, right? But here's the thing. There's 51, um, call it vlocks, coming before, uh, before now in 2020. And there's also 51 vlocks that are over 20 years old. So you have a lot of replacement there. But I'll say this about cape sizes in general, is they do more than carry iron ore from Brazil to China. And one of the big reasons why we've had such a good market in the first half of the year, or for me the biggest, because the iron ore has not done what we expected it to, is emerging coal trades, especially into India and other places in Southeast Asia. And Valley Maxes don't carry cargo for those trades. Another point is that um, out of the 12 or 13 total docks, um, in the Brazilian iron ore ports, only two or even three are suitable to do the Valamaxes. So it has a natural limitation. And like Vale has told us many, many times, the new Valamax order is merely there to replace the existing conversions, like John Michael said. So we don't really see that as a threat. 
Um, there is very strong structural problems. Uh, we need to see some of these old uh, converted ships get out of the market. And we need the regulation instead of, you know, like you very well said before, John Michael, instead of trying to enforce uh, things that are, you know, correcting by themselves, to push the old tonnage out, especially these dangerous yep. things. Uh, Philippe, you mentioned earlier you were concerned about the future of the Cape size market. Is this what you were referring to when you, you were talking about the, the structure of the business, the, the, the incoming um, oil carriers? Yes, for you. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't get to your question Sorry. because I've got an earphone and the, 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 the sound is not that good from you to us. Oh, wait, that missed me. Yeah, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, your approach to a Cape size market and, and how you saw it changing yeah. structurally. Is, is the, are these very large oil carriers part of your concern behind that? <laughs> Did you, do you think the uh, Valley Maxes are a big concern if, to the Cape size? Oh, yeah, that's. It is, but that's what I was sorry to be so uh, so deaf, I must say, um, which happens when you're Sripona, by the way. Yes. Um, the, uh, the, it is a concern because it's, uh, it, it, it's exactly what I said earlier. More and more these uh, uh, activities will be uh, reserved to uh, very few uh, companies with very special links to the major uh, users. Uh, if not uh, the users themselves, would they be uh, uh, miners? Would they be uh, even uh, uh, countries themselves, uh, like uh, China? So this is one of the reasons we believe that we should slowly get out, I say slowly, get out of that Cape size market, where, uh, uh, especially because we believe the market will be good for the years to come. And we don't want to, to sell when we hear the gun. Uh, <laughs> uh, we like to sell when we hear, yes. hear the violence. So uh, yes. I guess we'll get out of it slowly. And this is, uh, I guess, I've, this time I, I was able to answer your question. Yeah, but since we are actually talking about supply, um, since the beginning of 2017, so for the last, uh, let's say, 16, 17 months, we have seen 203 new building orders for Kamsarmaxis and Panamaxis, and 100 new orders for Ultramaxis. While at the same time, the orders for, you know, capes of all sorts has been, you know, totally zero. So you have 305 new building orders since the beginning of 2017, and zero new orders for cape sizes. Just to give you an idea of, you know, how the supply fundamentals are running up. On the supply side, uh the bad news is that with a good market, fewer vessels go for, uh, for demolition. And of course, that does not reduce the number of vessels in the market. However, the new regulations starting of 2020 will oblige some of the ship owners to do their own proper accounting and to see whether it's worth doing investments in ballast water treatment systems, in putting scrubbers or... or uh, in order to remain competitive with the rest of the market. And I think at that time, even though the market will be better, people will be obliged to take the decision to go for at the demolition yard. Uh, so one comment, I mean, my, my take on this, especially another dimension is, has to do, of course, with the leasing house as well, with the support of this program, especially the very large carrier programs, I mean, they're 
very supported by leasing house, which is an indirect support from, of course, from the Chinese government. You could argue, you know, through through the the, the, the banks. Uh, I mean, we have also seen some speculative orders from uh, leasing houses, but they're quite not not very extensive. I mean, on ultramaxes and some uh, some Kamsamax in China, we have seen that without even a, a dedicated, uh, you know, let's say, a operator ship owner. So it's directly from from the leasing house. At least on the very large carriers, you know, you have a dedicated cargo program, and you know exactly where the ship is going. So that's that's at least more more interesting. And uh, so so I see obviously there is is more support for for the supply side. And as far as the the shipyard supply is concerned, I have seen that basically many of the shipyards that we were expecting would be out of business in China. We have seen also in South Korea some of them. I mean, we, we have ordered actually some vests in STX where people thought, you know, STX wouldn't, 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 wouldn't be there. But, you know, they are there. So, yes, the, these shipyards are not going to produce capes, but they are taking away, let's say, the, the, the job of producing ultras and Kamsamax and other ships and letting the big yards produce more capes. So the shipyard capacity is not going away as fast as some people thought. I mean, I hear even now talk that maybe Sino-Pacific may be, you know, Sino-Pacific 2.0, you know. So, you see, shipyards are, as long as they are there, there may be some financial investor to come to reboot the balance sheet. So, he uh, can buy a second-hand ship. Yeah, There's course, no gun to your head That's to order better. a new ship just because the capacity is there to be able to do so. Right. Thank you, gentlemen. I think we're, we're out of time now, but thank you very much for your comments, and thank you for this, for this panel session. Thank you.